You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. With the recent spread of COVID-19, we've suspended local services. The following audio is a recording of our live stream service, and we pray it's an encouragement to you. Hear the word of the Lord. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in the darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place. No harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent because he has sent his heart, his heart set on me. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Well, peace be with you. Well, it's uh, good to be with you all uh, this morning who are present in the sanctuary, which is a few. We do have a few people here who are uh, serving in in various ways and who's going to help me to have a a live preaching experience, though we are keeping social distance, amen, and uh, elbows instead of hugs. And to the rest of you all who are watching on, uh, on streaming and Facebook Live, we do greet you. We do welcome you, and we pray that it is well with your soul. I'm going to pray and we're going to dive into today's text. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just have your way. I pray that you would meet us wherever we are. For those who right now are in their home, uh, watching uh, with friends, watching alone, watching with, with family, to those who Um, right now find themselves in a place of of, of fear and isolation and loneliness. To those who are all right and who feel unaffected, whatever we uh, experience so far today and wherever we find ourselves, I pray that you would meet us there. I pray, Father God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Speak, Lord. Give us a word, Father. In the matchless, magnificent, wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Well, Psalm 91 is a fascinating psalm, isn't it? 
I mean, it is a, a fascinating psalm. It is a, a psalm that uh, can give us deep encouragement, especially in the midst of the trials that we are going through in the midst of COVID-19, this uh, horrific virus that has already taken many lives. Martin Luther once called this psalm the, the sparkling jewel of the whole Psalter. The sparkling jewel of the whole Psalter. It is a powerful psalm packed with, with promises of God, packed with, with these images and word pictures that are, are messianic in nature, that, uh, uh, that assure us and remind us that God is with us. But even as we look at this psalm, even as we look at this sparkling jewel, um, we must realize that like most jewels of great value, uh, one must search for the true riches of the psalm. And you may be thinking, Pastor Jamal, uh, are you sure about that? The psalm seems to be straight uh, forth. The psalm seems to be very uh, clear that the Lord will protect his children from pestilence, that the Lord will protect his children from plague. There doesn't seem to, to be a need to search or, or to dig to find that truth. And yet, I think that there is a need to search and to dig to find the true and deepest meaning of this text. Because as Christians and as careful Bible readers, we know that we can be overcome with plagues. We know that we can be impacted by pestilence. We know that cancer does take over our body. One only needs to go to Job to see that this is true. One only needs to spend time with a, a seasoned saint to learn about how plague and pain riddle the Christian's life. And so we must wrestle with the question, what is the psalmist doing here? Is the psalmist lying? Is the psalmist being dishonest? Will the Most High protect us? And that's the question I want us to look at for the next 18 minutes or so. Will the Most High protect us? Can we count on Psalm 91 to be true in its deepest and truest meaning? And in order to answer this, que this question, we're going to look at two things. The first is, what does Psalm 91 say and mean? And the second is, how do Christians live in light of the full meaning of this text amid the COVID-19 outbreak? What does the Lord want us to hold on to in regards to this, in regarding to this psalm? Well, this text emphatically declares that God is our refuge in a time of trouble. Verse 1, we see this beautiful parallelism being written. Uh, the author repeats himself in saying, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High, under the, the shadow of the Almighty. The Hebrew word here for Most High is the word El Elyon. It means supreme. It means to surprise, surpass all others. And, and the word for almighty here is the word El Shaddai. I like the way that sounds. El Shaddai. It means to be omnipotent. It means to be the strongest of the strong. 
Here the psalmist is giving us a picture of, of, of one who is most secure. For us who are in Kentucky, it's a, it's a picture of a God who is more secure than Fort Knox, a God with whom we can trust, a God with whom we can depend on. The psalmist is so confident in God that he begins by declaring that he is the ultimate refuge to Israel. He is the ultimate refuge to those who worship him. But then he just starts preaching to his audience. He just starts letting them have it and and letting them know that they can trust in God. Verse 2, I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. We see this strength in this God. We see this this, this, this strength in the one who is almighty. But in verse four, we also see his tenderness. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. It's a picture of a mother hen taking her, her children under her wings and protecting her. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. I wish I had time to just unpack all of the imagery that we see here, this this image of a fortress, this image of a refuge, this image of of an eagle who has uh, wings protecting its young, this image of a warrior who has a protective shield. Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Listen to this. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. But why is this true? Verse 9, because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high your dwelling place. I love what the psalmist is saying. Because you have made my God your refuge, you shall be delivered from this pestilence. The psalmist goes on in verse 10, says, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now he's landed on thick, right? It's like ragu. He's landed on thick. I mean, could you imagine being in the audience as this liturgy is going forth and perhaps Israel during this time was going through a pestilence. Perhaps it was written by a plague. Could you imagine the words of the psalmist washing over this this crowd as they are wondering about their own safety? And perhaps even as you read this today, it was just washing over you, the word of God, reminding you that God is your refuge, that he is the one who protects you, that he is the one who keeps you. And I love this image of an angel. He says he gives his angels orders Um, So much so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. I remember when I was younger in my parents' room, for whatever reason, I used to always hit my foot when I turned a corner on a dresser in their room. And I was reading this this week and I was thinking, Lord, where was my angels? All right. Uh, Whoever my angel was needed to be fired or uh, need a new assignment because he was not doing a good job. I was hitting my foot all the time in the same spot, too. Same spot. Some of y'all are thinking the same thing. Yeah, where's my angel? Keep hitting my funny bone. And it's not funny. 
but he's laying it on thick with this imagery. And then in verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. And then 14 through 16, we see all of these beautiful, beautiful promises. No harm will come to you. No plague will come near you. He goes on and says, I will deliver, protect, answer, be with you, rescue you, honor you, and satisfy you. And who is this? Who is this to? Verse 14, it is to the person who has set their heart on him. He says, I will satisfy you, verse 16, with a long life and show him my salvation. So again, the question is, what do we do with this text? Can we here in Louisville, Kentucky, in the U.S., and those who are listening abroad walk around with a confidence that says this COVID-19 is not going to touch me because I belong to the Lord? And my argument is, is that the psalmist is not arguing and is not making the point that because God is our refuge and because God is all powerful, that no harm will ever come to you. But rather, I believe what the the psalmist is doing is he is giving us confidence in the Lord. And here's why I believe that, because in Psalm 90, the psalm that is just before that, we see that it is a psalm of lament. And this was Israel's liturgy. Psalm 90, 91, and uh, 92 would have been read together. In Psalm 90, it is a lament in which the psalmist is, 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 is noticing and, and talking about the fragility of, of life and how short it is and how painful it is. In one verse, he says, for all our days ebb away under your wrath, we end our years like a sigh. But we see in Psalm 92 that it's a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a psalm of praise. The psalm is right. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, the Most High. The liturgist in the psalm is teaching the people of God how both to lament and walk with confidence. How in certain seasons of our life, it is right for us to look and to be sad and to mourn and to realize that we are but blades of grass. We are here today and gone tomorrow or here today and gone today. And at the same time, those who have put their faith in Yahweh, those who have put their faith in the coveting, uh, covenant keeping God are those who can live with the confidence that says that it is the Lord who protects me. It is the Lord who, is, can, who keeps me. He is powerful enough to protect me from my greatest fears and from a pestilence that is sweeping through the land. Missionary and gospel minister Elizabeth Elliott published a book named The Shadow of the Almighty. The book is a journal of her husband, Jim Elliott, one of five young missionaries who were slain in the jungle of Ecuador in the 1950s. And what's interesting is that Elizabeth called her book The the Shadow of the Almighty because she was utterly convinced that the refuge of the people of God is not a refuge from suffering and death, but a refuge through it and a refuge from the final and ultimate defeat 
And that is the proper interpretation of the scripture. We take it not in isolation, but we take it as a whole. This text and its deepest fulfillment is teaching us, especially as new covenant Christians, that in Christ, God has protected us from the penalty of sin, which is his own wrath and death. And that because of Jesus, the darkest plague and pestilence known to mankind can be avoided. That because of Jesus, we have eternal life. That because of Jesus, the serpent's bite no longer stings in the same way. And so I believe that the deepest fulfillment is this, is us to read this in light of eternal life. But I do believe that this psalm should be read in a way that brings us confidence in the midst of disease and outbreak. Elizabeth Elliot goes on to quote Jim Elliot in her book. Jim said, I am immortal until my work on earth is done. I am immortal until my work on earth is done. I believe that this is the swag, that this is the confidence, that this is, that this is the, uh, the ethos that the psalmist was after with the people of God as they were singing this song together, that, that, that we are immortal until our work on earth is done, that God can protect us in the pestilence, that God can protect us in the midst of outbreak and disease, and that we can live with a humble confidence before him, knowing that he will keep us until it is time for us to go home to be with them. So how do Christians live in light of the full meaning of this text amid the COVID-19 outbreak? We live with a humble confidence before God, knowing that he is able to keep us, knowing that he is able to protect us, knowing that he is able to heal us. And I'm not just talking about our physical bodies. I'm talking about our minds. The Heidelberg Catechism asks this question and then answers it. What is your only hope in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all of the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, By his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. I am immortal until my work on earth is done. So what does this mean to us, Sojourn Community Church? What does this uh, mean to to us, sent ones who are across the globe, some in cities that have been shut down? It means two things. One, when we read these promises in light of a sovereign and good God who cares for and protects his children, we accept his invitation to dwell with him. In the midst of pestilence and outbreak, God's invitation for us is to dwell in his shadow. 
is to be one of his chicks, one of his uh, 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 birds that is, is, is resting under his wing. In verse 2, the passage speaks of the Lord. And here in the Hebrew, the word for the Lord is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. His name means I am who I am or I will be who I will be. It's the name that he gave to Moses to tell to Pharaoh. The Lord is the one who is present for his people. And in the New Testament, we see that the Lord himself uh, appeared among his people as Emmanuel, God with us. In the scriptures, we see that Jesus was bold enough to apply the Greek equivalent to this Hebrew term Yahweh, Lord, to himself. He often called himself, I am. This term to well in the presence of the Most High is a, an invitation that Jesus gives us in John 15 for us to abide in him, for us to make our permanent residence in him. God's invitation to you today is to dwell in Jesus. While we may be on uh, shutdown or practicing uh, social isolation, I want to encourage you to redeem the time. To use this time to set your eyes on your Jesus, on your Savior who is your refuge, and to make sure that he is your, your only refuge, to make sure he is the one with whom you are putting all your hope in. As the hymn says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Use this time to, to take inventory of your own heart. Use this time to listen to your own fears and, and vulnerabilities. Use this time to take those before the Lord. Use this time to do, as Paul says, set your minds on the things that are above and not the things that are on the earth. This is a great opportunity for us as Christians to remember our frailty, to remember our fragility, to remember that we are fleeting, that we are but a mist, that tomorrow is not promised, and that only what we do for Christ will last. So what does it look like for you this week to limit your time on Netflix, uh, to not see this as an opportunity to binge watch every show? To not just take this as an opportunity to find a new show and watch all 30 episodes in two days. What does it look like instead for you to, to slow down and to memorize this song? What does it look like for you to meditate on the word, to read the gospel of John, to implement some type of family devotion, to, to open the Bible and talk about it with roommates or close friends? What does it look like for you to have an hour of silence and solitude? And as a church, we want to help you to do that. This week, we're going to send out some resources that will give you some reading plans and some options that will, will help you to seek Jesus in the process. Second, this text gives us an invitation to love redemptively. And by redemptively, I mean creatively, thoughtfully, and deeply, to use some terminology by Andy Crouch. Because our confidence is in the Lord, we are free to love others around us. And why are we free to love others around us? It's because we know that we are deeply loved by God. When we don't know that we're deeply loved by God, 
in the truest sense, we seek love from other things and other people who can't fulfill us. But when we realize that God is the one who is able to satisfy us, that God is the one who is able to to keep us, uh, we can move towards other people who are hungry and hurting and we can love them well. And the first way we could do that is by doing our best to stop the spread of this virus. It's by accepting this invitation that seems to be most wise right now with social distancing. It was really hard this week for the elders to come to this place and the decision to not have service because Sunday mornings are so important and have been for uh, a very long time for, for Christians. But we knew that it was wise and it was best. Andy Crouch chronicles and talks about how when the Spanish flu broke out in 1918 through 1920, how St. Louis officials acted to shut down public life within days of the first reported cases. And in Philadelphia, officials waited for more than a week and greenlighted a massive public parade in the meantime. And in the end, Philadelphia had more than twice as high a death rate uh, from this epidemic as St. Louis. And, and, and his point was is that it's, it's wise uh, for uh, the church to, to love its neighbors by not contributing to the spread of disease where people can be harmed and die. Martin Luther, uh, years ago, uh, wrote an article talking about what happens when disease breaks out. And he argued that the best way for the church to love the people was to take practical means, thoughtful means. He wrote, use medicine, take portions which can help you. Fumigate your house, yard, and street. Stay away from persons and places where your neighbor does not need your presence or has recovered. And act like a man who wants to help put out a burning city. One of the most practical ways we can love our city is by heeding the words of uh, officials who have, and, and medical professionals who are thinking through this issue. And by understanding that though this disease may not impact us to the point of death, that it can impact someone else. And that there are people amongst us who are are vulnerable, so we use wise caution. But we also love others uh, by, by, by moving towards them wisely, creatively. I remember when I was young, we had a next door neighbor. Her name was Miss Mary. And Miss Mary uh, was a, a, a widow. Her husband used to take care of her uh, and, and provide for her. And after he died, she kept the yard. Miss Mary was in her 70s and she would be out there mowing the yard, picking weeds and all these things. And my wife started to take care of her yard and would have, my, my father started to take care of her yard and he would have me come to help and to do the same. And I was just impacted by the way in which my father just selflessly loved her and cared for her yard. And that was a way for him to move towards her. And my question for you is, is how is the Lord inviting you to move towards those who are vulnerable around you? How can you creatively love those who are near? Perhaps it's by making up your mind this week to check in on on one person who you know who fit the vulnerable category. 
perhaps is by you uh, taking some of your financial savings if, if, you, if you have enough and by moving towards someone who has been impacted by the outbreak, by blessing them with a meal or blessing them with money so that they can fulfill the gap. But happens by simply calling someone to check on them or by mailing a, a thoughtful letter to someone that's been on your mind. Perhaps it's by being thoughtful to a roommate. It's by spending time, extra time with your kids. It's by moving towards your spouse. It's by determining not to whip people who may disagree with you on things this week with, with the word, but to wash them with the word. God is calling us all to love people redemptively, to be present with them. Don't let it be said that we, as Christians, when outbreak hit, that we found our refuge in social media, that we found our refuge in our screens, that we found our refuge in self-medicating. Let it be said that we found our refuge in Jesus and we thoughtfully pursued the hearts of other people and we loved them deeply. Pastor Josh, who's over our community uh, life here and, and care, sent out an excellent email to our community group leaders with some ideas of how we can love those who are carrying heavy burdens. And, and this week, we're going to continue to re release resources on some practical ways in which we can help carry people's burdens and love them. And why can we do this? Why can we move towards people with grit and love rather than fear and intimidation? We can do this because we know that we are immortal until God calls us home. Church, this pandemic will pass. And the question is, what will our city say about us? What will our neighbors say about us? Will they say that we lived with an ancient presence or a gritty presence? Will they say that we responded like atheists or will they say that we dwelled in the shadow of the almighty? Will they say that we hid with, with fear or will they say that we confidently and wisely moved towards people with help? And as we do this, we know that our power does not rest within ourselves, but our, our power comes from God who is our source. And that during the season, we can take the, the angels' words when they first appeared in the New Testament, which was, do not fear. God is with us. We can take those words to heart that we ought not fear because Emmanuel is with us and because he loves us. And we're reminded by his love because he took on the biggest pestilence that there ever was, which is our sin and our wrath. And he nailed it to a cross and he was buried on the third day. He got up with all power in his hand and he is now seated on the right hand of God, interceding for you and for me. Our hope in times of pestilence is not in ourselves, but it is in the most high and the almighty. So will the most high protect us? Absolutely. He will protect us now and forevermore. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.